Welcome to season three of What Really Happened, executive produced by Seven Bucks Productions, Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Brian Gewertz in association with Cadence 13. It's written and hosted by me, Andrew Jenks, and you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Andrew Jenks. You can also become a contributor to the show by going to jenkspod.com slash contributors. This episode contains explicit sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Robert Kraft is a 78-year-old billionaire. He owns, among other things, the New England Patriots. Since he took over the team in 1994, they have won an astounding six Super Bowls. As a result, Kraft has become a celebrity of sorts. Since buying the New England Patriots in 1994, Robert Kraft has become NFL royalty, turning his $172 million investment into one that's worth more than $3.8 billion. Robert Kraft is here with us. Congratulations on another Super Bowl. Thank you, Michael. Love them, hate them. You have to respect what the Patriots have done. But on February 22nd, 2019, Kraft was charged with soliciting a prostitute. He had been caught in what was described as a worldwide sex trafficking sting. This became a news story outside of just the sports community. This is CNN Breaking News. Shocking charges this hour out of Palm Beach County, Florida. Jupiter police say Robert Kraft, he's the owner of the New England Patriots, paid a prostitute for sex. Patriots owner Robert Kraft has been charged in a prostitution sting that took place in Jupiter, Florida. Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots and one of the richest men in the world is taking a major fumble these uh, days. Robert Kraft is arguably uh, the, the best known owner in sports. Uh, there's few others out there too, but he's certainly in the top five, maybe in the top three in all U.S. sports. So he has farther to fall than almost anyone. Last spring, a Canadian war reporter went to Florida to write about this case. She realized that perhaps many were chasing the wrong story. Was this all really about Robert Kraft? How did the story even come to light? When did the police start investigating? What really happened? The Orchards of Asia Day Spa was in a small outdoor shopping area in Jupiter, Florida, a town just outside of Palm Beach. Investigators received a tip that this massage parlor was really a cover for a brothel of sorts, a place where men could pay for sex. So one day, investigators claimed there was a bomb threat, telling all of the women inside to wait outside while they cleared the spa and made sure it was safe. While the women waited outside, the investigators placed hidden cameras throughout the spa. Over the next several days, they recorded men paying for manual sex, oral sex, and anal play. When the men, otherwise known as Johns, left the spa, a police officer would pull them over down the road for a made-up traffic violation. This way, they could identify each man. One of those men allegedly recorded inside and pulled over was Robert Kraft. Jupiter police would later reveal that Kraft received a hand job from two of the women at Orchards on the afternoon of January 19th, 2019. The following morning, he had gone again, receiving a hand job and blow job. He reportedly left 
after 14 minutes. I would contend today that it's the men in the shadows that are the monsters in this equation. This is Police Chief Martin County Sheriff William Snyder announcing the charges. While doing so, he admonishes the men like Robert Kraft. And without moralizing, none of this would happen if those men were not availing themselves and participating in this human misery. A few days later, Dave Ehrenberg, the state attorney for Palm Beach County, Florida, added, These cases aren't about any one defendant or any group of defendants. The larger picture which we must all confront is the cold reality that many prostitutes in cases like this are themselves victims, often lured into this country with promises of a better life, only to be forced to live and work in a sweatshop or a brothel performing sex acts for strangers. Human trafficking is built on force, fraud, or coercion. It is evil in our midst. It is also fueled by the demand side. Demands from otherwise law-abiding citizens who are not aware or don't want to be aware about those being exploited. This was a big deal. An international human trafficking ring was being uncovered. The press couldn't believe it. Not only that, but the sheriff said, I think it's very safe to say, without any hyperbole, that this is the tip of the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the tip of the iceberg. Incredibly, it just so happened that one of those Johns discovered during this international human trafficking sting was none other than Robert Kraft. The police had been working on the case before knowing of Kraft's involvement. Given what the sheriff said, it sounded like this case, already one international in scope that happened to include an owner of an NFL team, was only going to get bigger. But there was a reporter in Canada who was thinking something different. I think had I just read like a news alert about New England Patriot owner gets charged with soliciting for sex, I don't think I would have done anything, but it was the the way in which law enforcement reacted that sort of gave me pause. Meet Mae Jung, an award-winning magazine writer and investigative reporter. She is perhaps best known for her months-long investigation into the MSF hospital bombing in Kunduz, Afghanistan. She's won numerous awards for her work around the world. In the spring of 2019, May packed her bags for Florida. And of course, I went to read the New York Times and then the Miami Herald and other local newspapers. And what surprised me, and I, and I still don't, I'm quite confused as to how this came to be, is that in the initial press briefings and what have you, the attorney general and the sheriff whose office is leading these investigations. They came out calling these men, you know, they're monsters. These women, they were, they have been sex trafficked. They belong to this multi-million dollar global syndicate of criminals who are trafficking women. And that is just something about the, the imperiousness with which they made these announcements. Something seemed off. In fact, when watching through the initial press conference, I saw that it wasn't just May who had questions. 
Here, a local reporter calls investigators out as they can't seem to simply articulate how many spas there were. Well, you have one, five spas here. How many other similar spas, parlors, salons, whatever you want to call it, are part of this investigation that you guys are targeting? So. You guys meaning law enforcement in general. You've got federal, local, and state people here. If you can't talk about it, just say it. But if you can, let's, let's lay it out there. The reporter finished that comment saying, let's lay it out here. For some reason, officials were having difficulty doing so. Officials were having difficulty telling the press about the details of the case. But national publications, perhaps lacking resources, didn't seem to put in the time to really question what authorities were saying, said Mei Jung. Initially, all these major newspapers effectively parroted what the Attorney General's office is saying, that these women were trafficked and they belonged to this big global syndicate, la la la. For instance, May references in her Vanity Fair article that came out last month a New York Times opinion piece, which assumed quite a bit before anyone was convicted or all of the facts were presented. The article says, quote, They were flown to America. Many were routed through Flushing, Queens, then dispatched to spas all over the country. They would work up to 14-hour days, seven days a week, cooking their meals on hot plates, sleeping on the massage tables, being moved from business to business, sometimes after they'd surrendered their passports to their bosses. When May spoke with those involved, it seemed hardly any of the women had their passports taken or were being routed through Queens. Another charge was that women were being forced to live in these parlors, but May has reported that, quote, As police subjected the women to hours-long interrogations, those claims of human trafficking began to unravel. The only woman alleged to have been locked up and forced to live on the premises was Young Wang, who went by the spa name Nancy. In fact, like many other employees, Nancy had been hired from out of state, so her boss drove her back and forth from the job. When the owner fell ill, Nancy was asked if she wouldn't mind sleeping at the spa. But the facts didn't stop Sheriff Snyder from going on what a local Palm Beach article called a victory tour. The paper added, As the case generated national attention, he was invited to speak to large audiences about trafficking. He went on CNN and National Public Radio and wrote or co-authored op-eds in major publications, including the Boston Globe, The Hill, and USA Today. Meanwhile, Robert Kraft pled not guilty. He put together what many have called a dream team of lawyers. He had at least one friend tell reporters that Kraft, a single man after his wife died of cancer several years ago, believed there was a legitimate romance between himself and one of the women. Many reputable reporters do believe this was the case. Regardless, he was prepared to fight tooth and nail. And so far, it has worked. The court battle continues to this day. And May reported that, even if he is found guilty, Kraft has little to fear in the way of punishment. In Florida, as in most other states, 
The purchasing of sex is a misdemeanor. The first few-time Johns who wind up being convicted typically pay a fine and perform no more than 100 hours of community service. At the onset, the police and the state attorney's office made a point of saying how much this was all about helping the victims, the women who worked at places like Orchards. You can tell a lot about our community by the way it treats its most vulnerable individuals, and that includes victims of human trafficking, which is modern-day slavery. Human trafficking is the business of stealing someone's freedom for profit, including, it can happen anywhere, including in the peaceful community of Jupiter, Florida. Said Mei Jung. I mean, what really strikes me is that a billionaire walks into a massage parlor, pays for sex, and then he walks out, he's charged, he hires fancy lawyers who are able to uh, mount a impressive defense. He gets the evidence thrown out. Cases, you know, the the county is now appealing, but most likely, I, I, I don't know if anything will come up that appeal. I mean, all the workers involved in this raid had to, they were all charged, they were all arrested. They all have, many of them had to post bail. Some of them lost their houses, their cars. They certainly lost their livelihoods, lost, you know, they lost their source of income for many of them. Other women were their only network support group. They got separated. And in the case of two of the women, they were undocumented. One of them was released for reasons that are, that are, that are not very apparent. The lawyer himself is confused as to why. And as for the other woman, she is still currently under ICE custody and there are deportation proceedings against her. There's a kind of a profound unfairness in that. In that very first press conference, an official said, In Florida, as you may know, we are third in the nation in terms of incidents of reports of human trafficking. That stops. All of the agencies are working together. This is of primary importance to them. It is of primary importance to my office. And this should be an example of how we will act going forward to stop this plague on our communities. But I'd bet Florida residents are left wondering that while law enforcement's intentions were probably good, do they want this case to be a primary example of how law enforcement will act moving forward? So why? Why did the government and law enforcement announce their findings so quickly when they didn't seem to have enough evidence? It seemed like politics played a huge role. I came across an opinion article written by the editorial board of the Treasure Coast newspapers. The article says, referring here to law enforcement, why take a victory lap when victory has not yet been sealed? Why say or write things that could give defense attorneys ammunition to undermine the prosecutor's cases? Might the prosecution have been better served if law enforcement was more circumspect? Are loose lips sinking the ship? We also wonder what role politics played in all this. Human trafficking bills have been introduced in both the Florida legislature and Congress in recent months. These are important measures worthy of serious consideration. Trafficking is indeed a grave issue. The op-ed continues. The problem, perhaps, was that the sex spa busts seemed to play directly into the narrative. Here, it seemed, was proof of how bad things really are. 
Here were the heart-wrenching stories making clear the need for this legislation, making a yes vote a moral necessity. Meanwhile, the case itself was floundering on the rocks of uncooperative witnesses and dashed expectations. It seems to me the government was looking to pass laws, and as I watch and rewatch the videos of officials talking about this case, it seemed they knew this was about something more. At Sheriff Martin's first press conference, he thanked a congressman who was standing next to him. Thank you, our Congressman Mass, who's a great partner. Congressman, thank you so much. The state attorney for Palm Beach County said at his first press conference, These cases are long in the making, but we hope that sometime some of them can make a big enough splash to send a message to the rest of the country. But they needed proof. And rather than take the time to gather that proof, they jumped too fast. There's another potential issue Mei Jung realized when investigating this story. While anti-human trafficking laws are obviously meant to help victims, Mei discovered that they can be problematic. While I was working on that story, the Florida legislators passed a law that was meant to be an anti-prostitution law. But what I have since learned is that anything that is anti-prostitution ends up becoming anti-immigration as well, because it's women, women of color, women who are disadvantaged in various ways, including perhaps not having papers to work in the country illegally. They're the ones who are locked out of traditional labor markets, who then in turn go into various aspects of sex work. And that's that's a connection. The, the relationship between prostitution and immigration is not something that I had I, I had known, you know, as someone who is relatively liberal. And, and, and that quite surprised me. For proof of May's reporting, one doesn't need to look much further than the case we are dealing with here today. Our criminal justice system is built in a way whereby I think something like over 90% of cases you end up pleading out. But all of that is dependent on the caliber of lawyer that you can hire. Of course, if you are already a John, that means you are coming from either a particular class, or if not that, then at least there's, you know, it implies a certain disposable income. If you are a woman selling sex, the chances are very high that you don't have the kinds of money to throw around to pay for your own legal support. And so these women end up hiring, you know, being paired up with public defenders who, as we, you know, very well know now are overworked and heavy with caseloads. So then they're they're not able to buy for themselves the defense that they, if not deserve, then, you know, at least need. Too often, all of us pay attention to the big, bright, shiny object. In this case, the rich billionaire who owns a football team. What we can't forget is the dark reality. The International Labor Organization estimates that there are over 40 million victims of human trafficking globally. Polaris, a nonprofit which combats modern-day slavery and human trafficking, estimates that the number of human trafficking victims in the United States is somewhere in the hundreds of thousands. They said they saw a 13% jump in identified cases from 2016 to 2017. In 2018, the Department of Justice secured over 500 human trafficking convictions, which was an increase from 2017. But 
that's still only 500 convictions for the hundreds of thousands of people trafficked every day in the United States. In one of the very first press conferences, the state attorney for Palm Beach talked about an important way to combat this tragedy. Human trafficking often occurs in plain sight, which is why I'm hopeful that these cases will encourage people to say something if they see something. And for victims of this unreported crime to gain the courage to let their voices be heard. He added, If victims of human trafficking will speak up, they are eligible to have their records expunged, including arrests for prostitution. But they need to speak up. At the federal level, human trafficking victims are eligible for a T visa, which is a visa that can allow them to stay in the country, and it's only reserved for victims of human trafficking. So the key is to get the victims to speak up. Martin County Sheriff William Snyder said, They look at the police here as their enemy. So we have a, we have a We have a big left trying to keep them out of the criminal justice system and treat them as victims. The problem is that victims of sex trafficking are now less likely to do what investigators intended for all along, which is to help them. Victims won't speak up if this is how they are treated. Ultimately, I think the real story here isn't so much about Robert Kraft. The real story is about women who don't have a voice. It's a story about our government's ability to execute. Sure, they seem to have the right intentions. They seem to have the right vision to eliminate human trafficking. But their vision got ahead of their ability to execute. As always, if there's any information you have as it pertains to any of our stories, call us at 347-674-6980 or go to jenkspod.com. Next week on What Really Happened, Colleen Rooney is the wife of one of the most famous soccer stars in the world, Wayne Rooney. A few months back, Colleen realized personal photos on her private Instagram were being sold to the press. So who was betraying her? Using a very clever method, she realized it was one of her friends and one of Wayne's teammates. That's next week on What Really Happened. If you like the podcast, I'd humbly ask you to subscribe, rate, and review. It actually can make a big difference. For any other feedback, you can reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, at Andrew Jenks, or go to jenkspod.com for more information on the sources for this podcast.